0: Even in 2020, new music keeps coming out, partly to keep the industry afloat, but a big part of it is that artistic statements still need to be made. Besides, in trying times, we always need something to look forward to. And this week me and my friend Scott Mitchell looking at another bunch of songs making their way onto the internet onto the charts and into our ears. Over the last couple of weeks, there's been a lot of stuff that surprised us. I think it's time to take a look at some great new songs. It's the music meeting on the Tim Gavin show, a holistic look at music and pop culture. Well, figured we would start we'll start with something that you know a lot of people will know, something that we're both familiar with. Dua Lipa with the Madonna and Missy Elliott remix of Levitating. Yeah, so, I mean, this is uh, very much right in Dua Lipa's wheelhouse, especially with the, um, the 80s vibes that she had going on in this last album, for sure. Uh, and then, of course, just why wouldn't you put Madonna on, especially because Madonna's tried making comeback after comeback after comeback. <laughs> I know, but... This is one of those cases where it works. I think this is the best thing that Madonna has been a part of in over a decade. I would say so. If I, I would say probably like two decades for that matter. Uh, <laughs> Somewhere around there, yeah, but yeah, honestly, like I like how this is it, it's different enough from the original to be its own thing. And I think it's like really shows off how great that her remix album is going to be. I don't think I've been excited for a remix album in a while, as much as I have this one. Missy Elliott, just bringing it on her guest verse. And I just, I love everything about this. And I hope that this becomes a hit in its own right, because I think it could. I think it could. I think uh, what you're going to see is... um... This might not necessarily be used as a single on its own, but I think it might be used more in like a lot of radio stations, like mix shows and stuff like that. Oh, absolutely. Another thing I could also see is like, depending on how big the original version of levitating gets kind of have these two versions kind of like just kind of swap in and out, depending on if a Madonna song or a Missy Elliott tune is like coming up later on in on the day. That feels weird to say. Like, uh, the possibility of having Dua Lipa, Madonna, and Missy Elliott in your playlist, like, close by. <laughs> I mean, hey, It happens, but. It's possible. Each station's exactly. different. It just seems weird, though. Um, this one is, uh, well, you know what? I'm just going to say Tim goes off the beaten path with a lot of things. This one, this well, one is no different. Uh, I, well, actually, I'm going to preface this by saying he has 26 different tracks on this music meeting playlist. This, one... Well, hey, you know, I figure, you know, we should have a little more than last time because there was a lot of new music that came out. And this is more than just us, like, picking yeah. up radio hits. Too. I want to <laughs> use this as, like, a chance for us to discover... Stuff that we wouldn't otherwise listen to. Yeah, this one totally out of my wheelhouse, but right in Tam's. Mr. Bungle raping your mind. Yeah, and I think this is really cool. It's a great, great thrash metal song if you're into that sort of thing. And it's really cool to see Mr. Bungle make a comeback because they are a very, very important band. If you've never heard of them, they are, you've heard of Faith No More, right? Okay, they are singer Mike Patton's first band. Yeah, and they are doing a comeback this year. They added Scott Ian of Anthrax and Dave Lobardo from Slayer into the band, and they they decided to re-record their very first demo tape. Right. So it's sort of new, but it's also like some classic thrash making its way back. I can see a lot of uh, Mike Patton fans, a lot of old-school metalheads, really being into this into this track. Even a few punk rockers, too. Because, you know, they're right along that kind of, like, punk rock, that hardcore wheelhouse as well. And Mr. Bungle, they just have this really great knack for mixing in a bunch of different genres. But to see them go straight thrash, I think it's going to be great. I could see this being a hit, at least for the underground. Uh, probably for the underground, yeah. You won't uh, probably really see it come out of the woodworks ever, anywhere else. But, um, yeah, that's... uh that's something that if you're interested in that type of music, something to probably take a listen to. One that might um, actually become a hit because they're back, Midnight Oil. <laughs> yeah, I was I was actually really impressed with this track too. I, I find myself liking Midnight Oil the more I hear them just because they kind of fill in a niche in alternative rock that you haven't really heard since the 90s. And this sounds like... Typical midnight oil. I know they had, like, one big hit here in North America. But, I mean, back in Australia, where they're from, they had a few. And this uh, Gadigal land sounds like typical midnight oil. I think so. I guess... I don't really want to directly compare them to to the Tragically Hip, but they I feel like they kind of fill the same role for Australia as the Tragically Hip does in Canada. Uh, I don't know if that's the right comparison, honestly. Um, I, I think there are far like Tragically Hip did have a far reach outside of Canada. Uh, they had quite a few hits uh, down in the States and whatnot as well. Uh, I don't know if that's the right comparison, but if you were to take a band like, say, I don't know, Glass Tiger or something like that, that might be the better comparison there. Mm, <laughs> really? Well, I I don't know. I, can, I, I disagree a little bit, but I do see where you're coming from. But I just mean, like, stand-wise, yeah. and even with the politics, too, because, you know, Midnight Oil, they have always, you know, been like, huge proponents for I guess, for uh, native Australian rights. Because again, yeah. Australia, yeah. like Canada, really, really bad track record for that sort of thing. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's mostly what I meant in that sense. But, you know, Midnight Oil really making another solid track. I could see it being kind of a hit around Australia and maybe in a few places that decide to check this song out. But obviously, it's going to be No Beds no, are Burning. obviously not. Yeah. Obviously not. Yeah. And kind of going more in the uh, sort of rock direction, getting more into pop, Tame Impala with a single off of their latest album, Is It True? Uh, this album's been out for a while, but I think that um, this single, it's another good showcase of how good this album right. is. And... Also, just how much the the world of pop music needs to pay attention to Tame Impala because they've been making waves in indie rock for years and they're crossing they over. They are, for sure. Uh, I listened to it. I was like, this is probably like the most mainstream that I've ever heard from Tame Impala. Probably. I mean, Patience probably could have been that hit if there was a radio edit like a couple minutes shorter, mm-hmm. if you've ever heard of that one. Yeah, but you know, Tame Impala they're big in music at large not just in rock pop and hip hop uh you'll hear a lot of artists in those spheres also tell you how much they yes. love Tame Impala Rihanna's a big fan too covering uh, a a Tame Impala song off her album Anti for sure uh so yeah that's uh, something to check out as well uh wasn't really familiar with this one either but Joji Daylight yeah, Joji, I think, is going to be another one to look out for because he's kind of been making a hit on the internet, um, originally starting off as a YouTuber um, with the Filthy Frank yeah. persona, but he has definitely put that in the past, and all the music that he's put out, it's it's been a little bit more lo-fi, but I like the vibes that he's putting off. I think that there is a certain hit maker potential there. And working with Diplo, I think is a great way of getting more of that, you know, mainstream, that core mainstream recognition. Cause you know, to- Joji is a really talented guy and I really, really want to see him get a little bit bigger, get more of a fan base, maybe get like one or two radio you hits. You mentioned that core mainstream uh, support really that uh, could be seen. I, I, this is where I get a sag into this song, um, Orville Peck with Shania Twain and Legends Never Die. I I think that's going to go the opposite way. I think this is the only time people are really going to pay attention to Orville Peck. See, I disagree again, because Or while Orville Peck, he's not like big in the mainstream, in like indie and Americana mm-hmm. circles, he's really making a name for himself because he has that like really interesting image and a little bit of that, you know, counterculture thing. But... I think this. I think it's an interesting collaboration. It's probably the most shocked that I've seen Shania Twain be on the track. Ever. <laughs> right. <laughs> like as soon as I saw that, I was like, "Wait, am I reading that correctly?" Like, I had to double check and make a triple, ch- uh, triple take, and I was still like, yep, that says Shania Twain on it." Yeah, and just to like drive the home that it that it is actually legit Shania Twain, you have her go on the track yes. first. Yes. Yeah, and yeah, So it is. I can only hope it's CanCon because apparently Orville Orville Peck is Canadian. Oh, well then it might be. Then it might be. Yeah, but you know, we're I am, like so outside of what's going on in country right now. But <laughs> if they did add that song, I think it'd be a great idea because it, it is a good, good song. Um, speaking of CanCon, Delaney Jane wants you now. I liked it. Typical it's, Delaney Jane. Pretty much. It, it sounds and no different than really anything else. Yeah, like. And people make that. I'd and people, add it just because we need more. Cat and Con. People uh, make that argument about how you know Nickelback sounds the same. Oh, speaking of Nickelback, yes, <laughs> that was a good segue and right there. <laughs> another, another. The double went down to Georgia. Cover, of course. Corn did the last one that we yeah. talked about. What do you think, better mm-hmm. or worse? Better but still not great yeah. I, I, I yeah. listened to this As soon as I saw Like we, we all saw the Nickelback teasers For the week leading up to it Saying oh something's coming Friday And what not And then it came Friday And I looked I was like That's what they were teasing And I listened to it I was like This is better than the corn version But still not good by any means Yeah I I've actually like, gotten a lot of flack for saying this on certain music forums online, but is it their heaviest? Absolutely. Is it their worst? Also absolutely. <laughs> People are actually defending this garbage. Oh, I don't get it. Like, like why? There are like, far better Nickelback so songs. why can't we have... Yeah, why can't we have more instrument dueling songs? Like, why is it always Crossroads and The Devil Went Down to Georgia? Come up with a new also, one. Also, am I the only one who, when I saw the Nickelback teases, thought it was going to be something bigger than this? I thought, like, maybe they're going to drop a new album or something like that out of the blue. But no, it's another cover of The Devil Went Down to Georgia. Yeah, and... I I thought it was going to be some sort of like deluxe edition of all the right reasons, because I guess that's coming up like 15 years old now. Yeah, and there's actually a lot of B-sides for that album that are really hard to get and that I wouldn't mind, you know, having. Did you know they covered Queen at one point? They did. It was, uh, they covered We Will Rock You, and it was for a Japanese-only CD single release. I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, there's a reason why it's a B-Song. But... <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. You know, I'm I, I'm a collector at heart, so if they were to make, like, a super deluxe edition of all the right reasons, I, I might get it. By might, you mean you're I'm getting just... it. Again, I might. It. I don't know. My My relationship with Nickelback's music has changed a lot. That's fair. Since... That Since that album came out. That's fair. The Killers, also back with Dying Breed. Yeah, and their whole album came out. And I am surprised that its mix of Heartland Rock and 80s New Wave worked as well as it did. For sure. Yeah. And one of my other friends, he said that this was his favorite song off the entire album. And one of his favorite killer songs in general. And... I liked Caution a little bit more the first single off of this yeah. album, but I dig Dying Breed. I love the direction that the Killers took with this new Sounds, album. It's got some serious, like, uh, that, this song in particular has got some serious, like, human vibes to it. Yes. Yeah. And really, the Killers are just, like, they're making Heartland Rock better than anyone doing Heartland Rock right That's now. That's a good comparison. I'll give you that one. Yeah. And now let's go a little bit more electronic with a uh, new one from Flex Pavilion. Sink your teeth. This is in. also one I had to take a look at. <laughs> and because I never really heard from Flex Pavilion before. I've heard the name tossed around a few times and he's one of those like you no know, kind of almost mainstream producers. And one thing I liked about this was just the urgency right. at the start of the song. I didn't think it was my favorite song, but you know, it was it was good enough. I could see it becoming somewhat of a hit. Yeah, it might be, uh, it might be a bit of a sleeper song. Like if if it makes yeah. its way into mainstream, like I can see it being like a, a secondary or something like that. It'll be played for the eight weeks or whatever radio stations will have it in, and then it'll just die right off. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, that's, that's the best way to describe how things are going to work there. Drake's yeah. back as well with something that sounds like regular, like old school Drake. Laugh now, cry yeah, later. you know, I, I dig it. It's And I think just because on that principle that it is a Drake yes. song, it's going to be a yes. hit. Oh, because hundred, it's CanCon and it's Drake. It's going to be a hit. Yeah, absolutely. And what do you think? Number one, or at least just top in the ten. top 10. Top 10. I'll give it top 10. Yeah, top 10 for sure. It's it's so hard to tell what's going to be a number one single this year, because A, there really isn't that much out in previous years. But also, that what is number one is like, there have been a couple periods of long streaks, but every other song has just been number one for a week, for the first time in... God knows how long. And I mean, I'm just looking, you know, you look at the trends as to how things are going this year in terms of music and whatnot. And unless this becomes like huge on something like TikTok, then it's going to uh, not be a number one song. Yeah. And, you know, I could almost see this being a hit over there because at least it's not forced to be that way, like what, like, Tuesday's True. Slide was. Yeah, that was the big problem with that song, was that they were trying to force something, and you can't do that with social media. No, You just gotta, you gotta let it happen. And, I mean, you look at, like, the top ten um, that's on the charts right now, just quick glance, there's, like probably about six or seven of them that are super popular over on tiktok right now and including the number one which is saint john roses so (laughs) that's probably how things are gonna go this year for the most part um while we're on that note let's uh there are a couple songs here that are uh that you have on the list that are big over on tiktok one of them being cardi b and megan the stallion with WAP. Yes, and I am so glad that song exists because <laughs> really? we have needed a song like this for a long time. Oh, do we, though? Anytime that you're going to piss off conservatives, you are guaranteed to have a hit. And no song has been pissing off the Christian conservative conservative right wing nut jobs quite like WAP has, and I am all for that. Tell me how you really feel, Tim. <laughs> Seriously, I think I think it's a jam. Oh, I I don't know what else to say to that. It, it it's a it's a bop, nah. that's for sure. But I mean, at the same time, I I could probably go with a little less Cardi B in my life. Fair enough. And let's face it, you really think this is gonna get on radio? <laughs> I mean, the radio edit I mean, will have really? every second word edited. That's for sure exactly and like you'd have you'd have to bleep the sample that they're using so as as soon as that happens probably not gonna happen but you know it's gonna be one of those songs that just becomes a hit without radio which you know it's gonna happen but still it's not the worst cardi b song that i've ever heard i think it's i think it's a bop it's probably i don't i don't know it's hard to tell if it's gonna have some staying power, but right now, right now, I think it's just the song that we need, just to kind of like shake things up in the whole pop music conversation. And I appreciated doing that. This one is going to probably be one of those hits over on TikTok. I could see it happening. BTS mm-hmm. Dynamite. Yeah, I, I, I kind of like BTS. I'm starting. <laughs> to, I think I'm starting to get the whole K-pop thing. It's like. Yeah, it's it's catchy. I remember when we added uh, the song they did with Steve Aoki uh, to the playlist. And I remember you saying, like, "Okay, I'm starting to dig BTS now. (laughs) Yeah, you just you need that one thing, that one song, I guess, to to just kind of draw you in. But, you know, obviously, K-pop is taking the pop music world by storm we are going to be seeing more trends like that. I, I think it's, I think it's time that we started embracing it a little bit more. I mean, you know? at least this, uh, like the songs that BTS are releasing are, um, not necessarily the stuff like Psy did back a few years ago, like with Gangnam Style and Gentleman and whatnot. This is actually like legit yeah. stuff. Exactly. Exactly. So I'll give them that. You know, you have... You have that one novelty hit just to kind of like show off, you know, just how fun the genre can be. But then, you know, you get everyone else coming in. For sure. You just get, yeah, you get that, that flood of great songs. I think we're going to start seeing that. I like, I actually like the mix of Korean and English together in there. So at least you can kind of sing They along did the same thing if, with uh, like, uh, on Boy With Love with Halsey, though, too. So. That's true. Yeah, so I think I think we're probably going to see more of that as BTS gets bigger in English markets, specifically North America, because I know they're already fairly. huge This in one's going to be uh, interesting to see, and if it's not a hit on TikTok, it's going to be almost ironic: Clean Bandit, Mabel, and Twenty Four K Golden with TikTok. Yeah, <laughs> and before before we recorded this, I just I wanted to emphasize with you that my distaste for the song is not because of the title. (laughs) It's just that I don't think it's Clean Bandit's best work. It's not, let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I haven't really been much of a fan of Clean Bandit since after their first album came out. But that first album is just so good. Let's, uh, Let's chat about the posthumous songs that are on here, because there's a couple of them. Yeah, there's a couple. Juice World and the Weekend with Smile. Yeah, it's uh, it's good. I I don't like. I'm not a huge fan of Juice World to begin with. It's not really my style of music that I'd listen to on a daily basis. But uh, you put this one into the mix, I'm like, okay, this isn't a half bad. Yeah, you know, it's, it's it's pretty good. I mean, again, not really into Juice World that much, but. I will admit I I do think he has a decent voice and I guess what I'm really most sad about with him passing is that we won't get to see him get better. True. True. I mean, it was, he was only 22 when he passed. So, I mean. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's just, it it sucks because he could have been amazing, could have been even better than he already was. And he was already really good to begin with. Yeah. And this, this song with the weekend, it's, it's proof of that. And it's, I think it's one of the best Juice World songs that I've heard, period. And we also had Linkin Park, and She Couldn't. Yes. Th- this this wasn't really no. a new song. In fact, it's, it's one of the oldest Linkin Park songs. This was uh, a leftover demo from when they were recording Hybrid Theory, coming off of the big 20th anniversary of Hybrid Theory, the big deluxe version. Also, Linkin Park is classic rock now. How do you feel about that? Oh. I, I don't want to know how I feel about that actually, (laughs) but I mean, you get, Classic hit stations these days playing. Uh, I mean, not so much maybe Lincoln Park, but they're playing The Killers and Kings of Leon and stuff like that. And it's like, how is this now considered classic? But I mean, it is. It was explained to me by a former program director of mine back in Medicine Hat. Uh, his reasoning behind adding songs like The Killers and Kings of Leon and whatnot was everybody's definition of classic is going to be different. Absolutely. And the the version of classic that I've always kind of gone with that definition was also given to me by one of my first PDs when I first got into radio. And he generally gave it a 20 year. Gotcha. Rule. Like if it's still if it still holds up after about 20 years, you got yourself a classic on your hand. And I'd say hybrid theory, as an album, it still holds up. And this album, like, I can't believe this was a leftover track because it's so good. And it actually kind of mirrors what Linkin Park were doing on their last album before Chester Bennington passed, One More Light. Like, there's there's hardly any guitars yeah. on it. It is very pop-leaning, and it's still good. It's still classic Linkin Park. Wait, oh, we also have on here something that sounds like classic Sam Roberts band. I like the way you talk about the future. Yes, I was drawn to that just because of the title, and of course, you know, Sam Roberts at this point, a CanCon Con. I guess Cornerstone. Yeah, you uh in like even some of the Sam Roberts Band stuff is being played on Classic Hits as well, like Brother Down and whatnot. Yeah, and well, it, it kind of makes sense too because I've always appreciated the psychedelic sensibilities that Sam Roberts has added into his music. I think it really like makes it stand apart from other cancon and he's managed to do his own thing. I think it's just a great thing. And, you know, if you're into catchy Canadian rock music, I think you're going to like this new Sam Roberts. And he really kind of had his own little comeback of sorts on one of his older songs, not super old, but older this year when uh, this whole COVID thing hit never everybody was saying the phrase, we're all in this together. Right. (laughs) And I, I'm sorry. I have. I. I can't even remember the song. <laughs> what album was it on again? Oh, hang on, hang on. Two quick seconds. Yeah. Because I. I have one Sam Roberts CD in my collection so far. I have uh, his second album, Chemical. Right. City. Yeah. Uh, it was on Low Fantasy. Low Fantasy. Okay. Yeah. So I'll. I'll have to give that one a listen to. Absolutely. Again. Um. What else? Oh. Okay. Two kind of. I guess, R&B artists who release singles that are on this that are very meh, in my opinion. Mariah Carey with Save the Day. And yes. uh, Alicia Keys with Khalid and So Done. Okay, out of those two songs, I think Alicia Keys and Khalid, they did Probably, the better ones. Yes. Yeah, it's very laid back. I can't, see, I can't see it being a huge hit because of how laid back it is, but... I'm a fan of the song. It's not bad. I really it's like that bad, bad, but it's kind of like just meh in my opinion. Yeah, it's like, it's good background noise and that's okay. You know, not every song has to be in your face. Like <laughs> if, if it can be like good when you're just like hanging out at a party and you just hear the song coming on, you got, you know, Alicia Keys and Khalid just singing their beautiful voices into your ear holes while you're just relaxing with some friends, you know makes for some good vibes. I I could see this, uh, people really enjoying that if, you know, they're high or something. (laughs) Yeah. But Mariah Carey, I I like that song too, but I don't know, Mariah Carey just hasn't really, like, clicked with me as much as, like, with, you know, her super fans. Oh, for sure. I I think we can all agree with that one. Yeah, and, you know, working in retail around the holidays, sometimes Mariah Carey can be just spoiled for you working radio around the holidays <laughs> for that matter <laughs> yes especially in radio uh okay couple that i wasn't really familiar with that you were on here dorian electra with yeah. gentleman and Malade. yes dorian electra is really interesting to me i think uh they are one of like a leading force in this new type of pop music that you see coming onto the internet. Um, it's, uh, Dorian, Electra, and you also have groups like 100 gex. Have you heard of them yet? Okay. Well, they're all kind of making a splash on the internet, especially in pop music circles right now. And I'm not even sure how to classify this type of pop music. Like it's like hyper pop music. Where it's just like it's glitchy to the point of almost being avant-garde, but still firmly rooted in electropop. Like I, I describe Doreen sound as the type of music that all boomers think new music sounds like. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like a good comparison. Yeah, but. You know, it's as interesting as this song is, like I love like the satire that is going for, like making fun of neckbeards and all that and making fun of that side of internet culture. And yeah, it's just, it's a catchy song. And I'm becoming more of a Dorian Electra fan as time goes on. Uh, Another one that I wasn't familiar with, the Ocean and Elijah scene. Yes, the ocean. This is again more <laughs> of just like me wanting to show Scott <laughs> this is music that I like. This is Tim being Tim. Yes, the ocean is one of my all-time favorite heavy metal bands right now, and when I the more I listen to it, the more I'm surprised that they released this as a single because it's basically just in a musical intro. Right. Like I was listening to this. Like I was it's like, just some ambient. There's 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 no lyrics to this. Yeah. But you can tell it's building up to something. But again, it's it's a weird choice for a single release. And this is going to be a really crazy album too. Like this was supposed to be part two of a double album. But I've heard rumors going around that this album is going to be two discs long. Right. So it's almost going to be a triple album. Um, Yeah. And uh, when I was listening to this, how you mentioned it's got that interlude feel to it. Uh, I was like, this is going to be like some sort of theme song to some sort of thriller or crime show or something like that. I could almost see it doing that because the Ocean Lake, they have this, I guess, tendency to make their sounds like very cinematic feeling like. You could almost like hear it like being used in the background of some like epic three hour long, just visually intense kind of movie. And that is what I like about it, too. It's just like the attention to detail. And I'm excited to hear because there's probably going to be an alternate mix, too, because what the Ocean does is they'll release two versions of the album, like the version with vocals. And they will do a version without vocals, like entirely instrumental but they will do some very subtle mixing mm-hmm. and lowering and rising of volume levels to make it an entirely different experience. We we'll also have the Deftones on here with Ohms. Yes, oh my goodness. Just take I it away, just so take excited. it away. <laughs> yeah, I was so excited to hear new Deftones because they they are like, I'd go as far as saying that Deftones are like one of like two or three of the only good new metal bands. And that's because they have transcended their genre instead of just doing like rap metal going, in this case, towards shoegazing and just really like ambient, really loud wall of noise type music, which has still remained very popular again in the underground and among Deftone's core fan base. But what I like about this is that there's also, like, some kind of mix of skate punk in there, too. So, kind of adds in uh, other types of music listeners that way, too. Uh, also, Carcass, The Living Dead at the Manchester Morgue. Yeah. This is also Tim being that, Tim. <laughs> yeah, it's, this is also Tim being Tim. Really excited to see some more new music from Carcass, because, you know, they dropped their, com- their big comeback album after 20 years of inactivity called Surgical Steel, which is one of those few comeback albums that ends up being great and totally holding up to the rest of Carcass's back catalog. Not a lot of bands can do that, as you can see from Tool releasing uh, Fear Inoculum so many years after 10,000 Days. Again, I like that album, <laughs> I think it's a great album, but you know, a lot of Tool fans kind of left disappointed by it, especially how long they had to wait for it. But Surgical Steel, this was great, and because of COVID-19, Carcass has had to delay their next album. So this is like the first of about five or six leftovers from those sessions that they're releasing as an EP. So it's not the strongest thing I've heard from Carcass. I could see this being put on one of those kinds of collections. But again, it's, it's pretty solid. And I think Carcass is actually a really good way of introducing people to extreme metal. Cause like you still like have all those extreme metal hallmarks. But you have those like super tasty riffs in there that any like hard rock or heavy metal fan can really get behind. And like you can slowly introduce them to more extreme stuff that way. And that's why I like Carcass so much. All right. And then there were three, three songs left. Uh, There is one I want to wait for till the end. But uh, let's start Pharrell Williams and Jay-Z with Entrepreneur. I think it's a really great combo. Um, I like the fact that Pharrell and Jay kind of Jay-Z are working that... together again. Yeah, it, it's nice. But, you know, it's it's pretty inev- inevitable, too, especially considering how much work Pharrell Williams gets done, either on his own or with Chad Hugo in the yes. Neptunes. Yeah, because, like, they've been, like, single-handedly responsible for a really big chunk of songs. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> since the early 2000s. Uh but yeah. it's, oh, a good yeah. and it's a great song, too, for that matter. Uh, Katy Perry, what makes a woman? See, I've I, I mixed feelings on I mean, it. I I, I, I like I, the the I guess the story behind it and whatnot and the lyrical content. Mm-hmm. I'm not huge on the melody. And this is kind of typical of how I'm feeling about Katy Perry's latest album. Yeah, I'm 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 pretty much with you. Like like I, I don't know what she was she had all that time when she was pregnant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it kinda I'm starting to think that this new Katy Perry album is gonna be her joy. Oh yes. Possibly. Possibly. Yeah. And then she's just gonna have a, a huge comeback in about three, four years. Uh oh, absolutely. Like she's gonna take a few years off, you know, spend time with uh with her husband Orlando Bloom. Raise their baby, which, you know. Maybe have idea. another you know, kid in there. Hard. She... Yeah, but you know, Katy Perry like deserves like a break. She's worked hard and just get that like kind of like creative refreshing, absolutely, and then just make a huge comeback, absolutely. And uh, wrapping things up with Miley Cyrus's "Midnight Sky." I am actually amazed at how much I liked this track because you know Miley Cyrus has been kind of hit or yeah. miss for me. Like she has like a couple good songs but I like this song like a lot. I'm totally digging like the eighties vibes that are in that as well. It kind of reminds me of her collab with Mark Ronson. The last time he released an album. Yes. Yeah. I forgot about that. (laughs) Yeah. And I guess Mark Ronson is going to be working with Miley Cyrus on her next album, at least I think on one or two songs, not this one, but there are, they are going to be working on music together and I really hope that Miley Cyrus continues in this direction, because I think this is where she is like sounding at her best. Out of all of the songs that we've talked about, which one would you say has the most hit potential? Because I am going with the Miley Cyrus one on this one. Yeah, yeah. You know, I would, I'd say pretty much the same thing. It's going to be, it's going to be Midnight Sky. As for songs that I wish would also... Become a hit. I would love it if again that Dua Lipa levitating remix. I would. I wish that would at least become like somewhat of a hit in its own right. Doesn't have to be top ten. Just get just get a little bit of radio airplay. I just think I think that'd That's be good. fair. Yeah. All right. Any other any other songs that you think um, would make it? I think just for the fact that and we talked about this earlier because of the Cancon and the Drake factor. Laugh now, cry later will probably be another one. Yeah. And are there any songs on this list that you were pleasantly surprised by and actually enjoyed that juice world in the weekend? Smile. Yeah, I was I was pleasantly mm-hmm. surprised by that, because like I said earlier, I am not a huge juice world fan fan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That kind of it, it kind of blew me away with it, with right? how good it was. And, you know, if uh, if it means some more variety in the weekend on the radio, I'm down for that. There is so much weekend on the radio. I know, and there's always like two weekend songs (laughs) in each album that get just like a bunch of radio play. Uh, Well, right now there's like three or four that are getting a whole bunch of radio play. So there we go. Thanks again to Scott Mitchell for hanging out and taking care of some of the production again for this week. He has his own podcast called Somewhat Blind Substance out every week as well. If any of these songs sound like anything you want to check out, we have YouTube links to each song in the show notes for this episode. And we also left a link for you to send us voice messages. Tell us your favorite new song from the music meeting, leave your own opinions on the songs we talk about, or just tell me what you think of the Tim Gavin Show. Share this podcast with the music love in your life, and check out any other episodes you missed. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button and give us a review on Apple Podcasts if you can. Also, if you're a music director or program director for a radio station, hit us up. We would love to have you as a special guest on future music meetings. I'm Tim Gavin. Talk to you next time.